Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Craftsmanship, and uh, I'm thankful the Lord has sent us help. Amen. Amen. I also saw uh, this morning when we were worshiping, and I was watching the kids run around. It was like the Lord just gave me a, a pen can look like, but what this thing's going to look like. And, uh, and so I, I just saw lots of young families with lots of kids, and they were making messes. They were tearing stuff up, and no one cared one bit whatsoever because they were in the presence of the Lord. And so, uh, so I'm thankful, really, really thankful. Also, uh, I did not lose weight this week, if you're wondering why I look different. I'm just, I, that was really bad. About six ounces. So, uh, so you know, but on uh, uh, Monday night, uh, Dan Bohai was at Louisville first, and he preached on healing that night. And he'll be here Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday a.m. and p.m., but he preached on healing that night, and uh, the Lord touched my wife that night. It was so beautiful. April had this tooth problem. The Lord touched and healed April's tooth. And I'm just, I'm just like sitting there in my chair, listening to people testify one by one, just enjoying the Lord's presence. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm sitting there just whatever, I don't know, probably just grinning. And I had my eyes closed, and I opened them up, and I thought, whoa, my glasses are filthy, because <laughs> uh, I couldn't see out of them. And so I took them off to wipe them, and I was like, wait, I can see like I do with my glasses, and uh, I can't make this up, because <laughs> I really cannot see or read without my glasses. So I took them off, like, that's weird, and I wiped them just so I could be, you know, double check, and, um, and I put them back on, and I couldn't see. I'm like, this is really weird. And so I looked over, and April had her Bible laying right there. And I, I grabbed her Bible, and, and I, I don't know where, I, I just flipped it open. It didn't matter to me where it was. And, like, those that have glasses, you know what I'm talking about. Like, they, you can, like, flip them up and down. And so I just started flipping them up and down. And I was like, when they were down, I was like, I can't see a word on the page. And I flip them up where they, I wasn't looking through them. I could see. And April's looking at me, and she's going, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> And I said, I, I think the Lord's healing my eyes. And she says, well, you better say something. And I'm like, and, and, and I'll be honest, like, this, and this is, this is just the truth. Like, fear came over me in that moment. And like, yes, I, I, I I'm the pastor of this church, but I still wrestle with things too. And fear came over, and I looked at her and said, but what, what if he didn't really do that? And she, she gave me, like, the April look, you know, like, you're in trouble. And I was like, okay, yes, ma'am. And so I, I just popped up, Van looks, said, you know, hey, buddy, as he says. And I was like, I, the Lord just healed my eyes. I, I can see. And so what, what's really amazing is, like, I drove home that night with no glasses. Like, Brett, Brett and Ethan, they rode with me. And, and Brett goes... Brett goes, are you going to wear your glasses tonight on the way home? I said, no, I am not. And I know he prayed the whole way home, just to make sure. <laughs> and, and the next morning, Tuesday, I woke up, and I, I read a lot. Tuesday's, like, Tuesday's typically my reading day. 
and uh, where I study, and and uh, I read for eight hours straight with with no glasses on um, on on Tuesday, and it was like, and I looked up and was like, holy smokes, because normally even with glasses, after an hour and a half, two hours, like my eyes just get tired, but the Lord really touched me, and so I, I think there's, I, I say that not to draw attention to myself, but I, I want the Lord to get honor and glory. Okay, because I don't want it to wear off. <laughs> I don't want it to wear off. And so I, I think when the Lord touches us, we have the responsibility to share it. And also to boost faith, uh, boost faith to believe. Because like we say we believe signs, wonders, and miracles, but this is a legitimate sign, wonder, and miracle. And then also to kind of nudge you and say, I'd really like it if you came to church Friday, Saturday, and Sunday if you have a time. To, uh, to get here. I know it's a holiday weekend. Some are traveling. If you make it one or two, whatever, the Lord's going to be there and the Lord's going to move. And so, uh, so anyway, praise the Lord, huh? Also got really stressed out too for a moment because I thought, like I didn't tell April this, but I sat there, I told her afterwards, I thought, Lord, like how's people going to know who I am? And that sounds really silly, but I'm like, like I'm basically a caricature. I mean, like, if you drew me, you would draw black frame glasses and a big beard. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm losing half of who I am. And the Lord's like, seriously? And uh, anyway, anyway, that stuff doesn't matter. Just thankful. So uh, we started going through Song of Solomon last week. Who all, uh, who all this week read it at least once? Anyone? A few of you? Yeah. Praise the Lord. The rest of you, I'm going to pray that uh, you go to heaven. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's really bad. You're like, he didn't say that. Uh, no, that's all right. I just want to encourage you as a church, we're going to work through this for the foreseeable future. <laughs> okay? So uh, what's foreseeable? I don't know until we get done. But uh, we're going to work through this because I believe I believe the Lord is wanting us to get a revelation of, of not just what it means to be a son of God or a daughter of God. And, and I think most of us, most of us understand what that means. Like we, we understand what it means to be adopted into the kingdom of God. And we just sing about it. Every time we sing that song, everyone goes nuts because we just love that truth. And, and, and I love that. But there's also a revelation I believe the Lord wants us to get because like one day Jesus is going to return. All right. Now, I don't believe he's going to return like we have seen in the movies with Kirk Cameron and, and most recently, uh, Nicolas Cage. I couldn't remember his name. And every time I think Nick Cage, I think of you. But uh, <laughs> it's an inside joke. But uh, uh, I, I don't think he's going to rapture us from the planet so that everyone else on earth goes through hell. I actually think we'll go through the trials and tribulations, and then we'll go with him. But that's, that's, I'm not preaching on end times eschatology right now. I, I just want to point that out there that I think that's completely wrong. But when he comes back, he's going to come back for a bride that's without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He's going to come back for a bride that, that, that loves him and adores him. And what is the bride? The bride is his church. And I believe that the Lord would like us to receive a revelation of what it means to actually be the bride of Christ. And that's, that's hard for some men to get, and I'm, I'm just sorry. You're just going to have to get over it, because one day he's going to come back and marry his church, okay? So, all right. Now, as we look at this Song of Songs, I want to point out that, that we, we read this, and Solomon wrote it, and he wrote it to his bride, the Shulamite woman, 
And, and yes, he wrote it to her, but also we can look at it through the lens of how Christ Jesus, the bridegroom king, feels about his bride, which is the church, all right? And you're like, well, how can we do that? Well, Jesus actually said this in John chapter 5. He was getting onto the Pharisees, and he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them is an eternal life. Meaning like, like we, they were reading this and memorizing this. And then they still didn't understand what, what, what this was written about. And he says this. He says, but it's in these that testify about me. In other words, every single word, every single period, every single comma that is in this collection of 66 books actually points to Christ Jesus. Okay? New and Old Testament. So, so it all points to him. It's a, in the Old Testament, it's a type and shadow of the one that's going to that's gonna come. And so we can look at this, and we can look at this through the lens of knowing that it's about Jesus ultimately, and, and, uh, and, and, and look, at, look at it. We can look at it while we look at it while we look at it. There. It's really bad preaching. <laughs> so here's my prayer, that we receive a revelation of Jesus' beauty, that we receive a revelation of who we are as the bride of Christ. I hope we receive a revelation of Jesus's emotions for his bride. And oh, well, it's not about emotions. No, it's not. But he has emotions for you. Like, like, like all throughout the word, like his, his love is a consuming fire, right? Or he is, he is a jealous God. Like those are raw, just raw, uninhibited emotions. Uh, uh, we, I hope we receive a revelation of Jesus' commitment to share his heart with us as our bridegroom king. And then I hope and pray that we respond with wholehearted love and obedience. Now, if you've read it this week and you're like, there's a whole lot in there. You're like, you, you kind of get the language, but there's a whole lot in there that is hard to understand. And again, I'm just saying, just keep reading it. Because again, I believe the word isn't meant to be read, read, read with your head, read. Appalachian, it's not supposed to be read with your mind, it's supposed to be read with your heart, okay? It was written for your heart to bring forth transformation into your life. So if you don't get it, that's all right. You're getting much more than you actually understand. So I say all that introduction again to say this, that probably the most important revelation in this, as us, as the bride of Christ, is, is we're using this phrase that, that, that we receive beloved identity, in other words, the most important thing about any of us in this room is that we are beloved. The most important thing about you is that Christ loves you. It's not what you do for a living. It's not who you're married to. Those things are important. It's not what title is before your name when you sign a legal document. Again, those things are important. But the single most important thing about us is that Christ loves us. So we are his beloved. That's, that's the most important. That is the defining. When the, Lord, when the Lord rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, he essentially he told Moses, he says, I'm going to rescue you out of dominion and out of slavery and out of bondage, and I'm going to make you free. And, and essentially, he, and I'm really, I'm paraphrasing like three chapters right here. But he, he says there'll be signs, wonders, miracles that'll follow, and, and then you'll be they'll have wealth, which they had that, and everyone will know that you belong to me. 
That is the goal of the Christian life, for people to know that we belong to God. It, it's, not, it's not, I belong to God, it's the way you live, the way you act, the way you treat it. Like people should be able to see that there's something different. And so the Lord wants to set aside a people that belong solely to him. That's 2 Peter 2, 9, which says that word peripoies is a, a peculiar people. But he wants a people that belong solely to him, that they belong so solely to him that they actually stick out like a sore thumb. Now, I believe this, I said this last week, and I'll probably say it over and over again. Receiving beloved identity, I think, is one of the hardest things for Christian people to do. Like, I, I, I don't doubt that anyone in this room loves God, but I know that people struggle being loved by God. Like, we say stuff like, like, like well, I'm just dirty, rotten sinner, or I'm just, I, I, you don't, I can't believe he loved me. Well, I can't believe he did either, but he did. Some people even receive, struggle receiving love from other people. That's why they push people away. Oh, they're getting too close. And so, so it's the same thing with the Lord. But some of us struggle. It makes you squirm thinking how much he loves you. And if we could get that revelation, I think it just changes absolutely everything. I don't have it down fully, but I, I, the Lord has just been. Like if you, could, if, if you could receive that revelation of beloved identity, that's the most important thing about you, it just puts your soul at rest. Because then it doesn't make a hill of beans what I do. Like I don't have to strive to earn his love. I don't have to strive to earn his approval. I just, I have it. Now, I'm still going to do stuff for him because I love him. But I don't have to do stuff for him to hopefully he likes me a little bit better today than he did yesterday. Like we, and, and we may not think that, I say we may not think, we may not articulate it in that manner, but the way we live our lives, I think we think that. It's like, well, if I could do this and this and this and this, he'll, he'll really love me. And, and like, like how many, <laughs> I'll say this, how many of you ever started like a Bible reading plan on January 1? You're like, I'm going to read through the Bible fully this year. And how many by January 15th has stopped doing your plan? And then January 16th, you think, oh, he must be angry at me. What if he's not angry? What if he loves you? And what if he wants better for you? And what if my motivation isn't him not being angry at me? What if my motivation becomes he loves me and he's crazy about me? I, I just happen to think that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. So the Christian life is defined by beloved identity. And I'm just going to say this. I think we need to receive a revelation that the Lord or that Jesus, we'll just stick with Jesus right now, we'll say that Jesus is fascinated with you. He's fascinated with us. Like, that, like you're like, I don't know about that. Prove it. Okay, I will. Song of Songs, Song of Songs 115 says this. This is the bridegroom king speaking at this time to his fiancée. He says, how beautiful are you, my darling. How beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves. So here's this, here's this king and this woman that he's in love with. He says, how beautiful you are. Now, 
beautiful means, it means beautiful, it means lovely, it means pleasant to look at, it means that he actually enjoys looking at it. And it actually means this, like, it, it, it means that he's, he's fascinated, he's intrigued, it means that when he looks at her, he sees her across the room, and it'd be like this, I'd be having a conversation with Logan, and I see my wife walking in over there, and Logan's talking to me, and I'm going like this the whole time. Like, I'm really not even hearing what you're saying. I'm just looking at my bride. And, and, and so, so it's, it's this fascination with the one that he loves. And he says, how beautiful you are. And then not only does he say it one time, he says, how beautiful you are, my darling. You are beautiful. He's like, if you don't believe it, I'm going to go ahead and say it again because I really, really mean it. And I think it's a picture of this. Like, the church really needs to get, he actually thinks his church is beautiful and lovely. Therefore, if we're part of the church, he thinks you're beautiful and you're lovely. And you're like, well, you don't understand what's inside of me right? Because you don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the things that I've thought. You don't know the things that I've said. Well, I, uh, you're right. I absolutely don't. However, I understand that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And so if all of my sin has been cleansed, then he doesn't see that, right? He actually looks at me without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. I've been washed white as snow. Isaiah says, my sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. When he looks at me, he looks at me through the lens of Jesus, and he sees something that's beautiful and spotless. Therefore, he does not see who I used to be. He sees who I am and who I am becoming in him. And if we could get a right, that's really good preaching. And, and, and if, we could, if we could get a revelation of that, I think it would change everything. And this is not cheap grace, because I know that's a thought. Well, brother, if it, you know, we've got to keep people in line. Well, I think fear of punishment is a good way to keep people in line. I do. But I just happen to think love is a greater way to keep people in line. Real love. Not, oh, I love you, not flaky, you know, ETV love, whatever. Like, I don't even know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about like those trash TV shows and trash magazines that like uh, uh, Miley Cyrus and whatever his face, they, they're getting separated this way. Like, who gives a rip? You know, that's not real love. What real love is is what he thinks and feels about us. Oh, gosh. I was in the grocery line for a really long time the other day. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> uh, then he says, your eyes are like doves. So what, what does that mean? He says, your eyes are like doves. Well, doves, you know, they represent the presence of the Holy Spirit. But what are some things that doves represent? Peace. Hmm. Maybe when the Lord looks into our eyes, maybe we actually bring him peace. I, I, yeah. It, mess, it messes with you. When you start thinking about this stuff, you're like, well, what, how can you prove that? Well, Matthew 6.22 says... Because your eyes are really just a reflection of what's happening in your interior world. 
like you can, you, can, you can put on a smile. You could put on a smile, Logan. I could look at you and you could smile. I'd look you right in the eyes and I know everything that's going on with you. You can fake a smile. You can't fake what your eyes show. That's why in Matthew, what is it, Matthew 6, 22, it says the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body is full of light. And, and actually, if your eye is single is what that means. And, 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 and so I think it's a picture of this, that the bride gets so enamored. The bridegroom gets so enamored with the bride. He says, oh, your eyes are like doves. I just look at you, and it brings peace to my heart. I'm just like... See, this is hard for some because some of you don't even like to hear a compliment that you look nice today. It's true. Like, we struck. But, again, I think the reason why this is hard is because the enemy has made this hard. Because if we could get this, again, I think it would help us not to struggle. I think we won't. I just think it will be like, I think it will set our hearts ablaze. I really, really do. (laughs) So what if Jesus is actually fascinated with us because of what he sees when he looks at us? And so as we look at him, actually later on in Song of Solomon, it says, with one glance of your eyes, you've ravished my heart. And that, I mean, that's mind boggling too. And so what if, what if when Jesus sees us again, he, 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 he sees something that's beautiful, sees something that's full of potential, sees something that's full of destiny. And uh, I just, I just want to live into that. All right. Fascination with the bridegroom's beauty is the point. Fascination with Jesus is the point of Christianity. Yes, you get to be saved from your sins, but the crux of it is the Father set us up so we could be a bride for his son. Now, verse 16, it says, How handsome you are, my beloved. This is the bride responding. The bride always responds. That's why in 1 John it says, We love because he first loved us. Okay? And no one comes to the Father unless he first draws them. That's what the Bible teaches. And so here's this picture of the king lavishing his love, saying, I'm fascinated with you. And in return, the bride responds back and says, I'm fascinated with you as well. And and the bride says this, how handsome you are, my beloved, and so pleasant. (laughs) I love the language. Not only are you good looking, but you're pleasant to be around. (laughs) Indeed, our couch is luxuriant, and the beams of our houses are cedars, our rafters, cypresses. And so it's like, what what is this? All right, so she says, how handsome you are, which is just another word to just say how beautiful you are. So not only did the bridegroom think the bride was beautiful, but the bride said, you are beautiful. That's the response. And and I think that if we could become fascinated with the beauty of Jesus, we will discover everything that we ever wanted or ever needed. I'm going to say that again because that was a really good point. If we become fascinated with his beauty, we will begin to see everything that we have ever wanted and everything that we have ever needed. And actually, it's in him that is everything we've ever needed and everything that we have ever wanted. That's why all our treasures are found in him, right? And so, so what is it? I mean, it very practically looks like this. Uh, it's like, I am lonely, right? I'm struggling with loneliness. I'm not saying I am. I'm just using an example. But, 
but I'm lonely. And I start to gaze at him and I start to see how his eyes burn with passion for me. And then he begins to take care of that internal loneliness that I feel. Now, if you're struggling with that, I'm so sorry you're struggling with that. I've seen the Lord can touch that, right? If I'm struggling with whatever, if I'm struggling with finances, I stare at him. I go get a job, but I stare at him and I keep staring at him. I get fascinated with him. And then I believe the promise and, 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 and what is it? Matthew chapter six, which says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So maybe I don't have a financial problem. Maybe you have a fascination problem. Hmm. I mean, I could go down the list. You understand? Like, I just think he just. Now he's going to speak and then we got to do stuff. <laughs> like, like, I, like I said, may have to go get a job. Like, it's just whatever. I just think the, he just wants us to be so enamored with him. And it's a type of love that's unashamed, by the way. <laughs> it's, you know. <laughs> Jesus likes PDA. <laughs> uh, I have a church that doesn't, so they don't. <laughs> so what David was, fa- this will actually be a short one today. David, David was fascinated with his beauty. That's why in Psalm 27, 4, David says this. One thing I've asked of the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and meditate in his temple. David's saying, the only thing that really matters to me is, is you. The only thing that really matters is, is you. And I, like, I find comfort in this because David had more problems than a three-legged runover dog, Right? I mean, David committed adultery. I'm not telling you, don't go commit adultery, okay? Don't do that. I even point my finger. Don't do that. But David committed adultery. Not only did he commit adultery, he then sends that woman's husband to the front line so he gets killed. So he basically is a murderer. Then he has the baby. The baby, or the baby gets born. Baby dies. He gets all upset. But David had all these issues. David had all kinds of family problems. Right? He couldn't keep his kids straight. But the one thing he could do good that's why the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. And that's why in the New Testament it also says that, that David served God with a purpose in his generation. I'm thinking this guy was a mess, but he was obsessed with the presence of the Lord. And when he would, when he would get off center, he would go right back to that. I think we can live this way. And I think this is what the Lord actually desires is for a bride to just be so fascinated with him. The problem is we're easily fascinated. Actually, like I've been... I, I've been wrestling with all kinds of stuff. Like, I was actually talking to Jeremy yesterday. Like, this thing here, I love it, and I absolutely hate it. I hate it. And, like, it's, 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 it creates a false sense of community. I told, I, I'm work, getting some stuff clean because I'm, I'm going off social media for I don't know how long after today because I'm just sick of it. 
Because, and it's, it's so, it's so, and like, I'm not ranting, I am ranting against it. It's so twisted because there's people I haven't spoken to in six months that if I see them in public, they expect me to know everything that's happened in their life and I haven't spoken to them. And it's like, well, you don't know what's going on. I put it on Facebook. Well, how about a phone call? And it's, but it's the same thing. I'm just as guilty because I'm like, did you see what happened? And you're like, no, I, did. I must have missed it. It wasn't in my news feed. And like, it creates this false sense of security or this false sense of intimacy. And, and it actually, it does. And so like, I, I, was, I was paying attention the other day. We were, at, we were at Lexington. We were in Lexington at a revival service with Nan. Dr. Powell was gone, so that meant I had to wear a jacket and be the one in charge. And... <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, but I, I got up at one point and I looked around. Now, I'm hoping and praying that most people were playing, looking at their Bible app. Chances are probably not. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying we are so easily distracted. It's always notification, 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 notification. And then when we're sitting across a dinner table, we have these things and we're wondering why aren't we emotionally connecting with our spouses or our loved ones when we're staring at a pixelated screen, caring about, I'm like, and I say this, like, I, again, I just think this. I'm already in deep. Can I just go a minute? Here, here's, here's, here, and, and I'm just as guilty as anyone else, okay? We care more about people that we went to high school that we haven't spoken to in 25 years than people we go to church with on a regular basis. And I'm so convicted over that. I love the people I went to high school with. I probably wouldn't want to hang out with most of them anymore, just being honest. It's like, you look around this room. This is who your family really is. And so I, I repent for relying on that too much. I'm sorry for not calling texting enough. And thinking, I, I see what's going on. They're okay. They probably, they, we, we post pictures. And I need to take five more of that one I look fat in. <laughs> and then I finally published the one I look skinny in. Or I yelled and screamed and hollered at my kids all day, right? And then that one moment, hey, take a good picture and smile so we can make sure everyone thinks we're okay. It's so pretentious. And again, I, I, like, I think it's useful. I'm not telling you to get off of it. I'm just like, your pastor's about just dumb. April hasn't been on it in six weeks. She deleted it. And she is so free. <laughs> She's so free. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> I don't even know how to get back onto the point. <laughs> so we get, oh, it, there it is. I found it. <laughs> We, we've gotten so fascinated with everything else that we lose fascination with him. And, and the temptation with this is like we just care so much about what's going on on this and not what he wants to do in your life. And, and, and I, I, I just want us to challenge us. Let's spend more time with him because he's really, really fascinated with you. And, and, and what speaks most to you is actually what's going to come out of you the most. 
It is. So if it's like Fox News that speaks the most to you, you're going to speak fair and balanced news that's from the right, right? If, if CNN is what speaks the most to you, you're going to speak news that's from the left. You're just going to speak leftist, whatever. I, I'm just saying you're, you're going to speak what you're most fascinated with. And, 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 and I, I, I just wanted to get fascinated with his face. Like, I, I, I've, I've thought so much and prayed so much about this church the last few days. Like, I am, like, fired up about what the Lord's doing. And you look around, and there's a little less people here, and that's okay. And, and, and that's, that has a lot to do with, too, that, that not everyone you start out with will be the ones that take you to where you need to go. And, that, and you can, we're like, well, how's that biblical? Well, Moses didn't lead him into the promised land. But what Moses did to get him to where he did, it was very useful. They honored Moses. It was wonderful. We're thankful for that. But we keep moving forward. And I'm really stirred about what the Lord's doing. And I, kept, I asked myself this question, Lord, what would it look like if this one church if we could just get a revelation of your beauty. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it's exciting. All right. Here's what's really cool is that fascination with his face gives us permission to rest. She says, how handsome you are, my beloved, and so pleasant indeed our couch is luxuriant. <laughs> I don't have a luxuriant couch, but it sounds pretty fascinating, Right? Couch, couch means couch, it means bed, it means sofa, it means the place that we recline in, all right? It's the furniture where we recline, except for it's not a single, huh? Like at Logan's house, it's not a single, it's not a single chair, it's one where two or more can lay back in, all right? Now, now this is what's interesting, is that how many of us, I say, I'm just going to rattle off some stuff, I, I, I think... I think that the cure for anxiety, the cure for anger, the core for the cure for frustration, the cure for overwhelm, it just has to do with living in the rest of God. Well, how do we get into the rest of God? We become fascinated with him. All right? Because she says this, how handsome you are, you're so beautiful, our couch, the place where we rest together is luxuriant. Some of you are going to blush here in a second. That's okay. <laughs> I'll explain luxury here in a second. That's probably where you're going to blush. <laughs> the place where we rest together. The great lie that the enemy has told the church is you have to work really hard to enter into God's rest. Then I can relax. What if it's actually opposite? What if it's you relax and that's what makes you more productive than anything? You do no good. We do no good. I do no good when I'm fran- like, I'm going to work for God. I'm going to work for God. I'm going to work for God. I do no good. I do really good. We've talked about this time and time again, that be still and know that I'm God. That's when you're of the most use to God. When you can sink down, when you can trust the Lord, when you can rest and relax in his presence. I say relax. When you can go, that's one more of most use. She gets caught up in his beauty. And it's like all the cares of her life melted away. And she says, the place where we rest at is luxuriant. Luxuriant's a fascinating word. 
luxuriant means green. It means fruitful. It means bountiful. It actually means anointed. It actually could mean, I say could, it actually means this. And, and so here's, here's, here's the PG definition. Luxuriant, luxuriant is the place. Luxuriant is the place where repro, re, reproduction happens. In other words, it's illegal to expect fruit to happen unless you can rest. So what's that mean? (laughs) All right. I'm going to use this for our context and we're going to wrap it up. Indeed, our couch is so luxuriant. The place where we rest brings forth fruit. Like we believe we're called to win people to Jesus. At least I hope you believe that. We, we believe that we are called to, uh, like for lack of a better, like we believe we're supposed to win the neighborhood around this church and we believe we're called to win a city. So, so we believe that. And what if, what if, Winning the planet, or what if winning the city has nothing to do with doing evangelistic outreaches? Although I think we should do evangelistic outreaches. What if it has, what if it has little to do with what can I do for God and what, what, what event can I put on? What thing can I do? What if it has more to do with just getting in his presence in your day-to-day life? And staying there until you get to a position of rest. Because then when the rest comes, it says that it's luxuriant, it's green, it's bountiful, it's fruitful, it's anointed, there's blessing upon it. What if I don't have to try? What if I just need to lean into the Lord and rest? And I think it's a picture of this. In your day-to-day life, it would look like this. Like, you know, I don't think you need to go looking for evangelistic uh, uh, targets to try and minister and try to reach people for Christ. What if it's just a natural overflow of your life? What if it's a picture of Psalm 1? Let's see this. Psalm 1 uh, talks about trees planted by the streams of water. Re- uh, 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 Revelation 22 talks about trees that's planted by water uh, that actually have leaves that bring healing to the nations. Ezekiel 47 talks about there's trees that the, that the water streams out and that they have fill, uh, fruit on them and they bear fruit perpetually. And then Isaiah 64 says that once basically when you reach people, they will become oaks of righteousness. What if the whole point is to get so planted next to him that when we live our day-to-day lives, we don't have to try and manifest fruit. People pick the fruit that's off of our life. So then it looks like this. That's really good. So, so, so then it looks like this. And this is just the Lord. It's not anywhere close to what's in my notes. What if it's a picture of I'm at work. And I've been thinking about Morgan State saying all the time, my cheese slid off, off my sandwich or what? I, I, am I saying it right? My cheese slid off my crackers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> I just think a cheese sliding off. All right, so my cheese slid off my crackers. What if everyone's cheese is sliding off their crackers and my cheese stays on? What if everyone says, this is the worst? And we're like, it's going to be all right. <laughs> right? What if everyone's watching the stock market and think, oh, I just lost half my 401k today. And we say, he's always been faithful. What if we have a problem with a loved one and the whole family's like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And you're like, why don't we just pray? What if everyone starts complaining about ISIS and saying, oh, there's all kinds of terrorists and they're going to bomb, they're going to do all these terrible things. And we start to actually say, well, you know what? We should be afraid of that or we should be concerned about that. But what if we start to say things like greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world? Like I'm trying to make this very day-to-day -day life right now. And then, then it's like, well, you're awful confident. And what if, what if my confidence actually gives them confidence? What if my peace gives them peace? See, our posture of rest with the Lord is an invitation to give other people that exact same rest. That's why, and that's why in this context, in this con like actually contextually, when it says our couch is luxuriant, it actually means it's the place where babies come from. But what if we don't look at it in those terms and we look at it like we can reach those around us by getting so rooted in his presence in our day-to-day -day life that we actually become fruitful in our day-to-day -day life. <laughs> and if you're getting uncomfortable now with this book, like we're just where they're still engaged. We're still in chapter one. Chapter four is the wedding. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> and chapter five is when they run off together. I'm just, I, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's an invitation that the Lord's trying to give us, and it's like, well, I can't live that way. We can't afford. I mean, I can rattle off. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.